Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphomet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. I'm Jim Perry. This is Night Drift presented by Euphomet. I just got back from a week in Chicago and I want to thank my friend Daniel Noah of Spectre Vision for the invite. We collected some really, really incredible tape together, and I can't wait for you to hear that in an upcoming episode of Euphemet. And it was nice having another producer along, someone else to manage a few of the logistics. The good thing about Daniel is that he can't help himself. <laughs> He's always producing, and to my benefit. But first, I sat down with remote viewer, hypnotherapist Michelle Freed in her Chicago office. I bring you that conversation tonight. I also want to thank the listeners who came out to hear Daniel and I chat after the screening of The Nightmare at the Music Box Theater in Chicago. The Music Box Theater was so generous and to host us and provide us an incredible stage for some really fun paranormal ponderings. It was so awesome to meet listeners and discover an allegedly haunted couch while we were there. (laughs) I also heard some listener stories and you can share yours too. You can email me at jim at euphemet.com and use hashtag nightdrift on Twitter. You can also now send me a voice message. Just go to sayhi.chat slash euphemet or find the link in the show notes. I'm Jim Perry. This is Nightdrift. Remote viewer Michelle Freed, right after this. Social media at Euphomet, E-U-P-H-O-M-E-T. I'm Jim Perry. Welcome back to Night Drift. Settling into being back home just for a second before leaving to Eastern Oregon for a few days of relaxation. And I really am excited that everyone is talking about Halloween, is talking about the fall already. And we're working on some really awesome euphemet stuff for you to listen to that seemed very hyperbolic we're working on some incredibly fascinating and eerie euphemet episodes unlike anything we've ever done before and it's going to i think immerse you into situations 
as if you were really there in the darkness of night. I'm very excited for you to experience this. But first, tonight, our conversation with Michelle Freed. Michelle Freed is a graduate of the Alternative Practitioner Academy in Arlington Heights, Illinois, and received certification from the National Guild of Hypnotism. She completed the beginning, intermediate, and advanced training programs through the International School of Clairvoyance. Michelle is a talented remote viewer and remote viewing instructor, fully certified in all forms of controlled remote viewing, CRV, and received additional training from Joe McMonagle. All right, to take a second, Joe McMonagle, many would say that he is the best remote viewer ever, and of the sort of four or five pillars of remote viewers back in the government programs was the standout. So this is a big deal, and he's a really important figure in this. Michelle is also a prominent member of IRVA, the International Remote Viewing Association, and received the War Collier Prize for 2017. She's a member of APP, that's Applied Precognition Project, and the National Guild of Hypnotists. She has research related to remote viewing and parapsychology published with the Journal of Psychical Research, the Parapsychology Association, and Eight Martinis Magazine. Michelle works on special remote viewing projects with IONS Institute of Noetic Sciences on location from her office in Chicago. This is my chat with Michelle Freed. Uh, for people that don't know who you are, I've mentioned you a few times on the show. Uh, you've helped with bringing really incredible, uh, eclectic set of guests onto this very program. But for the benefit of the audience, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I feel like I'm I'm a connector. I like to mm. connect people, and I think that's why I kind of fell into this kind of um business um but then there's the other aspect that's a spiritual aspect mm -hmm. and um so kind of combining the two follows my passion and um you know it's a it's just a great way to kind of follow the path that i'm given sure it's kind of like one hand feeds the other in a sort of way yeah they do they work together both sides you mm -hmm. know that makes sense. Yeah, and so you uh, you represent a, a, a list of folks that are involved in spiritualism, the paranormal. These are people that are creating, I don't know, they're kind of, uh, their life revolves around this work, and they're trying to have it revolve even more. And so when you're in a situation where you're essentially enabling this person to be on their own path, that probably, I don't know, is like probably makes you feel pretty good, right? Yeah, I like to find people that have um, a really strong message, you know, that um, and can share it with people because um, I think it's really important for people to be open and, um, you know, just uh, kind of experience other other aspects of life. You know, sometimes we get into the um pattern of life and sure. we're kind of running through life automatically and we get used to our patterns every day yeah and sometimes um people when they come and listen to shows and podcasts they're looking for something they're looking for answers they're looking for community they're looking for uh, you know spiritualism or common like folk people you know yeah. um and 
these people that um, I look for to share with the world um, are people that are really good at that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'd say so. Um, and, you know, we're going to get here in a second to your life and career as a remote viewer. But I think just we're setting the table for people here. And just so I can, for, per my indulgence, uh, you worked with Art Bell. Yes. Yeah. That was, um, yeah, that was an interesting um I, I guess you want to know how that happened, right? Yeah, okay. yeah please tell. So um, I was going through a divorce, and I was a stay-at-home mom for most of my life. And um, I got to a point where I had to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I had gone to school to become a hypnotherapist. Mm. Um, and through that, um, ended up taking some courses in psychic development and then remote viewing. And wow. I um, had I made a lot of friends and I was very attracted to remote viewing. And so on my own, I just because I like to connect people, I would call different shows back in the day and ask them and, and pitch my friends who had books. Sure. And so I saw Art Bell and I thought, like I always think, go big or go home. <laughs> in fact, right. on the subject line, I wrote, go big or go home. You didn't. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, so I pitched my friend. It was John Vivanco. He's the one that taught me remote viewing, or mm. one of the people. And I got a call back from the producer at the time. And um, I don't know. He was on the phone with me for like a half hour asking about the guy and and what's remote viewing and, and that they would get back to me. Well, time went by, like probably a month. And then all of a sudden, this lady called me. Her name was Heather Wade. And um, she said that she's um, kind of filling in for Art. He's, you know, not well right now, and she's filling in for him. Um, She loves the guy I was pitching, and that she's apologized for not um, getting back to me sooner because she lost her producer. Mm -hmm. And so I said, oh, hire me. (laughs) And I don't know where that came from. It was just like, (laughs) it was kind of like, what? It right. just kind of came out, yeah. and I was like, "What do I just do?" <laughs> but I, I was like, "Hire me!" And she's like, "Speechless." You know, when do you get a host that's speechless, right? Yeah. So she was, uh, uh, okay. So, um, okay, let's see how you do. Like, book some shows for me. So in two days, I booked two weeks of shows. Wow. And keep in mind, they had a show every day, yeah. so it's Monday through Friday. So Jeez. it was like. 10 10 people and art told her you better hire her right away yeah and so that's how i got the job and um so unfortunately he was not hosting when i was working there but he was training me and he was the executive producer so um so he taught me a a lot of things about and I think a lot of those things are what go into me with my company with LITM media um, finding really interesting people because he kind of gave me um, 
some advice. You know, he said, go to small towns, look at their newspapers for like, you know, stories on people and special interest stories and things like that. You'll find interesting people that way. You know, it's wow. it's nice to have all the famous people, mm-hmm. but sometimes the stories are in people that aren't so known, you know, and it's they have passion and and really want to tell their story. Yeah, and are some of the you know look at art. You know, you've got Mel's Hole, for example. Exactly. You've got some of these people that they're not um, trying to be a celebrity or don't have anything to push at all. Exactly. They just have an experience that is unreal. Yeah, and at the time, <laughs> you know, because art was so big, we would um, a lot of times get people you know, reaching out to us to be on the show. And so we've had some really crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you remember one of the craziest ones? I'll tell, I don't know if it's totally appropriate, but I think it is for podcast, but maybe not for broadcast. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I'll keep it clean, but the topic is kind of (laughs) anyway. So I don't know if you've heard about this, this guy who had a love affair with a dolphin named Dolly. No. It's legit. The guy's legit. Like he's not legit. But his, <laughs> You're like, he wait thinks a minute, he's let le- me clarify. Yeah, that. he thinks he's legit. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Um anyway, he has uh, you can find his documentary. I'm not even going to say his name, but his documentary on YouTube and it was one of those things where I was like researching to see what this guy's about and I couldn't stop watching it oh at the same time as being disgusted by it. Yeah, right. Uh, because it was, you know, uh, like what you would think a love story would be. Yeah. Yeah. So without oh filling in the middle. But he was like, I want to be on your show. I want to talk about my story. And, you know, I didn't even bring it to Art's attention. Yeah. <laughs> there was no, I wasn't even. But that was so wacky. So you got to see what being the gatekeeper to a show like that, to a, to a person, to a broadcaster like that. Yeah. Imagine what it was like in... 1997 or something yeah and i know like art did take risks like he didn't know how mel's whole or um what's the the time um yeah john teeter thank you Mm -hmm. yes uh he didn't know what would happen he was willing to take a risk and and let people have space you Mm -hmm. know but there are some boundaries that um you just really can't cross over so yeah yeah that would be one of them (laughs) (laughs) i would say so (laughs) so you know you you know you you started with that program and then ever since you've had this relationship with podcasting you broadcast as well you're you a frequent podcast guest Uh, what are some of the favorite things or what would you say some of your favorite things about uh, that field is for you in terms of media, broadcasting, podcasting? Um, I think, you know, I, at the time when this was all kind of coming out, like radio shows and then transitioning into podcasting, um, radio, there weren't that many. It was coast to coast. And there were just a few of them. And what I think was so cool is that I think our paved this path for um, so many people to kind of come out and do their own thing. And I think that's great. The other thing that has happened is women, you know, Mm -hmm. we're start. you know, in radio, women had to have a very deep voice and Mm -hmm. they had to sound a certain way and, and speak 
like men. Um, but now, you know, we have lots of women talking on many different subjects, mm-hmm. and they're just as informative and entertaining as anybody else. Yeah. And so this kind of opened up a door for lots of people, people that you would never think um, would have a podcast. And yeah. we spoke a little earlier today, and I was talking about this kind of new shift in how people feel that, you know, to work just for money versus working um, for their passion mm-hmm. and then happen to get some money. for. I mean, we all need to make money to live on, but I feel like people don't really want to sacrifice their passion for money. And it's not worth it um, if they don't want to work a nine-to-five job um, to have all that money versus doing something that is passionate. Yeah. The other thing is that having so many podcasts helps – uh, open up people's minds to things that they wouldn't normally uh, talk about, especially in the in the the area of the unexplained or I don't know what we call this whole topic, paranormal right. or it, it it covers a lot of things. But there's a lot of lonely people out there, including myself, where I want to talk about all this stuff, and my family, you know, got the rolling of the eyes all the time, <laughs> and they they're so sick of me talking, and and they don't believe it, and that's okay. But I want to find a community where people, I can talk to them, I can learn from them, they can open me up to different ideas too. And so I think this is such a fantastic thing and opportunity. Yeah, very much so. And yeah, there are a lot of people that are like that. And some people find that sort of community in uh, becoming a practitioner of something or practicing a skill set. And you have this background with remote viewing, which is so interesting, and hypnosis. And can you explain a little bit outside of the, you know, your your media personhood, right? Even though I believe they're probably very integrated. Explain to me about your your side that's a practitioner and a and a teacher in this regard. Well, um, so when I decided to take classes in hypnosis, I remember. Um, one of the reasons I went into it um, was because I live in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I felt like the community isn't very open to, you know, psychic stuff. Like, you know, I think oh, they they're more uh, they're into you know health and and what whatever. But the psychic stuff wasn't very popular. Like, if you are in California, it's like there's more of this openness to. Mm-hmm. But here, I was trying to think, you know, logically, like, what can I have a happy balance of between something a little intuition-ish, and then hypnosis was the thing that came. And so... um, Are you you calling it, like, hypnosis is like a blue-collar spirituality in, like, sort of a sense, or a mystical art? um, I feel like... Because when we call hypnosis, we say, I'm a hypnotherapist. Mm-hmm. And um, also another thing we learn in hypnosis is everything is about our language. And mm. our words m- make us feel something. Mm. So if I come around in the Chicagoland area, and ge- I'm making a very big generalization, but and I say somebody to somebody, I'm a psychic or um, or 
I say um, versus I say I'm very intuitive. Yeah. They're going to understand and relate to intuitive. If I say psychic, they're going to be like, whoa, she's weird. Hmm. She's a woo-woo, you know? Yeah, right. So it's really in our language. We're really saying the same thing. But each word that we speak or say is creating an emotion for for people. Mm. You know, like I, um, you know, I use the example of uh, feeling sorry. And then I ask people a lot, like, what does sorry feel like? And they'll say, you know, remorse or you feel, and their body kind of curves and they feel small. Mm. Um, But if we switch the word to tell somebody I apologize, Mm -hmm. it's more empowering. Mm -hmm. But yet you're getting that same message across. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you're with different people, you have to speak in a different way. And so I was kind of thinking that versus me, you know, being a practitioner of Reiki or, or, um, you know, psychic readings and things like that. I just didn't feel like people would take to that um, or wouldn't be so open. But if I say I'm a hypnotherapist, you're still going to get a little flack, but a lot, it's a lot, you know, better. And that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, um, you know, a lot of people have this um, thinking of that hypnosis um, is like what's on TV, you know, that scary stuff. And I really wanted to be able to um, show people that it's not that. It's mm-hmm. Hypnosis is a natural state, and we're in it all the time. Mm. You know, we're in hypnosis if we're watching TV. And have you ever had that where you're, like, into your show and you didn't realize somebody walked through the room or left or something? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not me because I'm uh, hypervigilant, but I enter that state all the time in interviews. Okay. All the time I enter into some sort of hypnosis, I believe. Yeah. I have three kids, and um, there are times where I'll be into something, watching TV or into something creative or whatever it is, and then uh, like 15 minutes later, I'm like, did... Did they leave? Like, yeah, I don't, right. like, I was so out of it. Or when you're driving, yeah. you know, and you miss your yeah. uh, exit on mm-hmm. the highway. Yeah. Uh, that is because you were hypnotized by the road. So what hypnosis is, is we take that state. And what we do is we can make suggestions to help you change a habit. Mm-hmm. We can help you overcome um phobias Mm -hmm. or anything like that we can do um, age regressions we can do past life regressions Um, we're always looking for the source of of or the origin of an issue Mm -hmm. Um, so one time I had um, somebody that came to me because she wanted to stop biting her nails and through the therapy part of hypnosis I found or discovered that this was a deeper issue than a habit that mm. she just, it, it came from somewhere. It yeah. came from. And so I told her, you know, that when you come in, we're going to have to do an age regression to find the origin and then heal that. Mm. Mm-hmm. And this is why I feel like hypnosis works a lot faster than psychotherapy because that's, you know, we're bypassing critical thinking and we're going right to the source. Um, and so the lady, um, she, she's like, yeah, um, about the other appointment, like, 
yeah, I have to go home and check my calendar. And I'm like, oh, gosh. And that's a problem is, like, people aren't ready for how fast it works. So they're just like, she, the repeat bookings might yeah, be Yeah, that, that was low. And so <laughs> I kind of stopped doing the therapeutic part, unless it's for a friend, um, because I was getting frustrated because people just, I, I don't want to force them, you know. Right. Um, but I, I do um, regressions, which is really cool. So um, there's one issue, or not an issue, but I had um, people come to me that felt like they were abducted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always, in my mind, uh, I'm like, oh, I wonder if it was a dream and it was a lucid dream or if mm-hmm. something happened here. But you really can't think of that when you're um, working with them. You have to kind of put all that aside and just let them lead you. And there was this one year where I happened to have three separate people that don't even know each other and uh, three different places. One was in Canada, Chicago, and one was in California. And this was within like nine months apart. And these three people came to me telling me that they felt that they were abducted and asked if I could regress them. And so I did. And what was really weird was they all had the same story. Hmm. And I'm like, what the heck? Wow. They felt like they were off planet and that they were um, living, like they breathed water. They were in water. Hmm. And that was a world. It was like an underwater world. And the vegetation was very unique. They didn't recognize anything. In fact, they all seemed to have um, trouble with vocabulary, describing colors, patterns, shapes, and this vegetation. And, you know, so I had the first one. I'm like, wow, that's wow. Then the second one a few months later, and then the third one, I'm like, what the heck is going on? How do you explain something like that? To this day, so I'm always asking people, when I do these shows and I tell this story, like email me and tell me if you've had something because I'd like to kind of look at this, yeah. you know, and see maybe we can remote view it. I don't know, but um, I'd love to hear people's, you know, if they've had this experience because I'd like to know what it is. Well, that's really interesting what you brought up there, and that is you have a tool set, a diversified tool set, would you say? Whereas you could find some sort of information, some sort of trend within doing hypnosis. There's like, oh my gosh. And unlike some people who may just uh, say, well, that was interesting, I'll, you know, catalog it, right? Or I'll tell people on a podcast, you're saying like, oh wait, actually, maybe I'll use this tool I have remote viewing to see if I can gain more insight from it. Follow the show on social media at Euphomet, E-U-P-H-O-M-E-T.
Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphemet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. This is Night Drift. I'm Jim Perry. Now airing every week in Seattle is the Night Drift Archives. Fridays and Saturdays at 1 a.m., we drift overnight. It's the best of Night Drift. Listen on Alternative Talk 1150 AM KKNW in Seattle and worldwide at nightdrift.com. Night Drift, all weekend long on terrestrial radio in Seattle. And if you want more of that, you can find all of this on the UFAMET feed wherever you listen to podcasts. And for right now, let's get back to our conversation with remote viewer Michelle Freed. Let's talk about remote viewing now, like how that started for you and what part of your tool belt is this? Well, first, before, a really good transition story um, about hypnosis and remote viewing and kind of how I did make that transition Yeah, um, is somebody came to me because um, they lost their keys to a rental car and those keys to replace were like hundreds of dollars or something. So the guy was really, really panicking. And um, so the first thing I did was I did a session, a remote viewing session. And it was really weird because I was getting things like a cat and um, <laughs> and a, a, some metal table and some something, you know, some furry something. Um, I, I wasn't getting a lot of information. I think I was like a cat. I was so focused on <laughs> why the heck I got a cat. Um, right. So then um, I said, you know, why, why don't we do a hypnosis se- session? And what, what prompted me to do that is because he was so freaked out. Mm-hmm. And I thought hypnosis would calm him down. So that was my intention is just to calm him down. Because in hypnosis, we learn that the subconscious has permanent memory. Mm-hmm. And that means that even though you don't re- recall something in this moment, it's stored there, like mm-hmm. forever time. Okay. And so we know that on a scientific basis when you're um, stressed out you know people that have test anxiety they can't recall their answers there's actually a physical thing going on in your brain that blocks off your memories and stuff like that so I'm thinking I'm going to use hypnosis to calm calm him down and then see what we get so I put him in trance and we did this over the phone which surprised me that it worked and he um he remembered, okay, so he started telling me that it was about his cat. That's why I got the cat in the remote viewing session. He said his cat had um, an, an abdominal issue and he was kind of starving the cat for a couple of days. That's how he was curing it. And he needed to get to the store to get food because it was like the third day and he didn't want you know anything to happen to the cat. So he was rushing to the store. It's uh, not official veterinary advice. No, This is not what this program is providing or that person. Yeah, I don't know. Disclaimer there. Yeah, that's good because (laughs) I I don't, I'm like, well, starve the cat. But (laughs) I know if I had a stomachache, I wouldn't eat. But the cat, I don't know. But anyhow, that's what happened. No judging. Um, so, so, but he remembered everything in the store. He he remembered the bill. Like, do you remember your 
you know, your receipt. He remembered the amount wow. plus the chain, everything. But he couldn't remember where the, the keys were. And I'm like, Ugh, all right. So I said, let's stop. <laughs> I said, and so now it's time for the hypnotic suggestion. You're going to go to bed. And when you wake up in the morning, you're going to find the keys. So the next day I get a call at around 1030. And he's like, Michelle, guess what? And I'm like, you found the keys. He's like, I did. He said it was under a stool, you know, in the, um, in the rug, in the carpet. And he goes, and it's weird because I looked there several times and it wasn't there. And then this time it was. Mm. Um, so I'm like, okay. And he had a migraine too. So, um, so that was my combination of using hypnosis and remote viewing. And it worked. I mean, it helped him. And, um, and that's, you know, I, I just am obsessed with remote viewing now because it just can help in so many ways. Yeah. So. And you offer, do you train people in remote viewing? Yeah, I do classes. In fact, um, I'm not sure when this airs, airs but... I have a class coming up on September 3rd um, through IRVA, which is the International Remote Viewing Association. They asked me to teach the class and reduce the price. So it's the lowest price you'll ever find. It's like $150 mm -hmm. for eight-week class. Wow. And it's on Saturdays. It's so much cheaper than those Ed Dames VHS tapes. Oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> Even it's cheaper than I'm. I'm pretty cheap for my independent classes. It's only it's four hundred. I shouldn't say only because it's affordable. A lot. Maybe it's not affordable. Cheap. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, because even one hundred and fifty is hard for people. But um, but it is reduced, and um, I just love teaching. It's my favorite thing in the world yeah. is to teach people. I'm excited to try it out at some point in time. I've never tried remote viewing before. Oh. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. I didn't know that. Yeah, I've never done it before. Like, in brief, can you tell people that maybe don't know what we're talking about, what that process looks like? Um, sure. So remote viewing is, um, there are quite a few methodologies. Mm -hmm. There's, um, you know, CRV, controlled remote viewing. I'm only going to talk about that and then mine. Um, so controlled remote viewing is straight from Ingo Swan and um, Russell Targ and Hal Putoff, which came from Stanford Research Institute that the military used. And it's very, um, it follows a protocol, um, steps, and then you learn these steps and um, it's hard, it's complicated to explain everything about it, but um, basically you, you follow through steps and you're actually using pen and paper and you're recording your perceptions um, and, um, and sketching. Sketching is important too because sketching is directly connected to or can be directly connected to your subconscious so sometimes the sketches become automatic writing and you don't realize that you're sketching something out you think it's one thing but it's actually something connected to the target the other thing important to know is that um it's um it's not the 
typical format of science or method of science experiments, but we do keep close where people are blind uh, to the target. So when Mm. we give um, a target to someone, all they get is numbers, random Mm. numbers. They Mm -hmm. don't mean anything. They just kind of um, are connected to the intention of what we want you to look at whatever the target would be. So back in the day, they actually used longitude and latitude Mm -hmm. for the numbers, but then they were like, well, people can memorize that. So Mm. now we just use a random number generator and it just gives us numbers. And (laughs) then we just do that. Behind the scenes, we write out the secret tasking. So we'll write out what we want. So say, for example, we're looking for a missing person. So... Um, the secret question would be sketch and describe the current location of so-and-so. And they don't see that until after their session's done. Once they turn in their session, um, then we'll send them what the tasking was. And then they can go through their session and see where they hit, what what was you know going on with that. Um, so that's basically what remote viewing is in this sense. Um, and the CRV method and the one I do, which is transdimensional systems remote viewing, mine is a little different. It's more, uh, it was uh, created by um, Prudence Calabrese back in the 90s. And um, it's more civilianized mm, or whatever. Mm-hmm, it's more. Mm-hmm relatable, easier to follow. We spend more time in each phase uh, extended and um, and we're not so strict on the protocol. We, we want people to kind of find their own way through it. And also our intention is really, it's really good to get the information that we're getting, but it's really about learning more about ourselves, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and how we work, how we tick. Uh, personally, you know, because everybody's different. So our relationship with our subconscious and our relationship with our, our conscious and learning that you can apply these lessons to your everyday life. Um, because a lot of the time um, we find ourselves thinking things are real, but they're not really real. We call them AOLs, Mm. uh, analytical overlay. I don't know if this is getting too confusing. No, this is great. No. So an AOL is a period in your session where you draw a conclusion. And that conclusion is really based on left brain logic. It means that if something's red, shiny, and round, my left brain's like, well, it's an apple. (laughs) But in reality, what if it's a truck? Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to get so stuck on an apple because by the time the session ends, we're describing a fruit basket, right? <laughs> so um, we want to, so it's a learning process to teach ourselves that just because that's what we're, you know, uh, you know, we're, we really want to believe it's, it's an apple. We have to learn to let that go and just get the truth, get what is really there and that is challenging and a lot of times when people will approach me and say well if you can do remote viewing why aren't you winning the lottery Hmm. well that's why because 
um, you have to kind of give up what it is to be human to do a really good job of it, Mm -hmm. you know, because in general, we find patterns and we want things to make sense. And to give that up, like we're holding on to that because that's what we used in primitive days Mm -hmm. um, to determine, you know, how to hunt and gather. We use that. So to give that up, it's our survival. So we're holding on. Uh, (laughs) So there are a lot of people that can do that easily and they're very good remote viewers and that but it is a skill it's something that can be learned and something that if you practice you can do it and i find myself in split seconds i can do it i can't sustain it but um it's something i work on so that's awesome that's so cool where would you suggest people go and find more about your work or remote viewing? Oh, um, my website is butterflyeffectcenter.com, and that's everything in there. And um, I also have some papers that were published, um, some research and experiments that we did with remote viewing that might be interesting to some people. So um, that they're all there. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait to get into more of that. Now that we've set this primer, next time we can go even deeper. Deeper. Take people with yes. Us. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good to me. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Michelle. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Okay. Uh, and now, ladies and gentlemen, is the pizza portion of this uh, program. Uh, I wish you could enjoy it with us, but uh, maybe somewhere on the astral plane. Right? Sure. They can, um, they can travel here, have an OBE. Yeah. And join us at Luminati's on Lincoln. There we go. See, we're going to the Illuminati's. Illuminati. <laughs> That's great. I know. I know what you say. I say it too. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that pizza was so incredible there. I recommend it to everyone. Thank you to Michelle Freed. And thanks again to everyone who came out and participated in the event at Music Box Theater. Thank you for listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, KKNW 1150 AM in Seattle. Go to ufamat.com for more and join us next Sunday. And until then, keep looking up.